Welcome to a new episode of AI Chats, a podcast series produced by the law firm of Haynes and Boone and lawyers from its AI and deep learning practice group to explore the exciting, ever-evolving, and occasionally controversial world of artificial intelligence. My name is Dina Blickstein from the New York office of Haynes and Boone. Joining me today is Clarita Uchenda. In today's episode, Clarita and I are going to just talk about algorithmic bias in AI. But before we get started, our standard disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a legal advice and does not establish an attorney-client relationship of any nature. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. And with that, Clarita, thank you for being here. Can you tell us about yourself? Thank you so much, Dina. Yes, uh, my name is Clarita Uchendu, and really appreciate the opportunity to talk about my passion project, Algorithmic Bias. I'm in-house counsel, currently working in the R&D arm of a Fortune 50 company. In this role, we're negotiating and drafting agreements for technology and commercial transactions, negotiating research agreements with universities, and collaboration agreements with technology partners. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions that I share today are my own and do not represent the views of my current employer. Thank you, Clarita, and thank you for being here. Uh, Let's talk about AI. We use AI more and more often today, and a lot of AI is based on something called machine learning. What is machine learning? So, Dean, at a very high level, when we talk about machine learning, it's the process of teaching a computer system how to make accurate predictions when fed data. So the key difference from the traditional computer software is that a human developer hasn't written the code that instructs the system how to tell the difference between, let's say, a cat and a dog. Instead, you've got a machine learning model that has been taught how to reliably discriminate between the cat and the dog by being trained on a large amount of data. Uh, it's usually, you know, it, it allows the computers to quote unquote learn without being explicitly programmed. You're providing large data sets as input, for example, millions of videos. With that, the computer starts to recognize patterns such as images of cats without anyone instructing the computer on what a cat looks like. So machine learning algorithms find patterns in the data and use those to build classifiers that make decisions on our behalf. Now, when AI uses machine learning to learn a difference between the cat and a dog, does it always do it correctly? Or is there something in the algorithm where AI can mistake a cat for a dog or for something else? Cat and the dog, gen- I think if you're if you're if you're inputting, you're providing lots of da- lots of images. That distinction is that distinction is quite clear. However, when you move away from the cat and the dog, it may not be as clear. That's where we now need to start thinking about what are the algorithms, what kind of algorithms are we using, where are we getting them from. This is where we bring in the conversation of algorithmic bias. So what is algorithmic bias? So let me break that up. Let's talk about algorithms first, because algorithms are 
just basically a series of steps that we follow to accomplish a task. A recipe is an algorithm, you know? So today we're talking about predictive algorithms. So you've, so I've defined an algorithm for you. Bias, as we know, is, you know, prejudice in favor of, of or against one thing, person compared with another. And it's usually considered to be unfair. So algorithmic bias is whatever causes an algorithm to produce unfair actions or representations. So let's understand, we are all inherently biased. You know, we can't run away from that. Biases that exist in our workplace, community, and culture enter into the process. So behind every algorithm, there are people. That person's set of beliefs and values, their ethnicity and cultural intelligence all play a part. The data that machine learning or AI relies on is oftentimes created by humans or by other algorithms. But the potential for software products to accidentally adopt some bias is serious. Clarita, that's very interesting. Uh, Can you give us some examples of what algorithmic bias is in AI applications? Sure. I mean, I'm going to bring two that come to mind is, um, well, I think that I think a lot of people may have heard of is look at bias in facial recognition technology. You, you can't really talk about algorithmic bias without introducing the story of Joy Bulamwini. Joy was a grad student at MIT probably about five years ago, uh, doing five or six years ago, doing research that focused on facial analysis. Many of the algorithms used in Joy's work sometimes could not detect her or other highly melanated individuals like myself as a human face. So Joy had to wear a white mask to work on her thesis project. She found that these algorithms that are powering these three commercially available facial recognition software systems were failing to recognize darker skin complexions. So this was this perturbed Joy so much that she went on to become the founder of the Algorithmic Justice League, which is actively committed to fighting algorithmic bias. Another story I want to tell you, this is bias here in online recruiting tools. This is the story of Kyle Bem. You know, this is Kyle was he applied for a job at a grocery store and he failed the online personality test designed by this company that was licensing hiring software to a lot of large stores. So these personality assessments, they help HR to move quickly through a large pool of applicants. And ultimately, ultimately it's going to be make, it'll make it cheaper to hire folks. In this case, Kyle had three things going for him. He had applied for this job. He had a friend at Kroger who told him that he, he flunked the personality test. A lot of people never hear back. You just, you know, you don't hear back and you go on with your merry life. Second, Kyle recognized some of the questions that were asked on this online personality test, that they were identical to a mental health assessment he had taken when he was being treated for bipolar disorder. Thirdly, Kyle's father was an attorney. You know, this is a professional to, you know, for which a lot of applicants for minimum wage jobs may not have access. So Kyle told his father what his friend had told him that, hey, you know, you didn't you didn't get this job with Kroger because you you flunked a personality test. Kyle's father asked him to go and apply to six other grocery stores or companies that use that 
kind of have that same online personality test. Kyle did that, failed those personality tests from those six other grocery stores companies, and his father filed complaints, some jointly with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. So these complaints were filed against all seven companies for violating the American with Disabilities Act. Uh, Kyle's father filed a complaint on behalf of his son, claiming that these well-known companies discriminate against the mentally ill through the use of personality tests in jobs, job screening. What folks may not realize is one in every six Americans takes some sort of psychiatric drug, mainly, you know, antidepressants. Wouldn't that have been pertinent information for the team that developed this algorithm? So we need to understand that there are many examples out there. I've I've just provided you with two because, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but we need to be asking ourselves, do we have those right teams in place that are asking the right questions? Yes, Clarita, and I can definitely understand why the seven companies would care that the software that we're using was biased. But can you tell us more of why and how the developers who create the software should care? And also, how would they attempt to eliminate or reduce the algorithmic price? Okay, so, you know, why do we care? I mean, why should we care? Whether it's developers, I, I think it's, well, I think we should all care, but that's that's me. This is my personal passion. But um, but basically, we all, well, we should know. Algorithms are making decisions about us and for us, and those decisions become data for the next round of learning algorithms. Biased decisions today become the biased machine learning data of tomorrow. Resources are allocated based on algorithms. Representations are reinforced and amplified by algorithms. So, I mean, that's, that is really why we should care. Uh, companies that produce or use AI, why should they care? Is that, is, is that can, I, can, I, can I dive into that? Why I believe that companies that produce or use AI should care about bias? Um, absolutely, Colorita, because those third party, the software produced by those third party companies is used by everyone who may not be aware that the software is itself biased. Well, you know, so I think companies should care because, well, beyond it being the right thing to do, um, I believe what's going to make a lot of companies sit up is Lena Khan has been confirmed as the FTC chair. And she's illuminating not only antitrust, but bias in technology. All signs suggest that the Biden administration will increase algorithmic bias scrutiny with anticipated tightening of standards, especially towards the larger corporations. And, you know, I I have to ask this question, you know, can you really say you're interested in developing products for folks in whatever sector when you're not sitting down to contemplate the harmful effects of algorithmic bias? I leave that for all the companies to think about. Uh, that's a great point, Clarita. But companies would also need, I guess, a monetary monetary impetus to combat that bias. How do we get companies to combat the algorithmic bias? Well, well, let's 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 let me take a step back and kind of talk about why this would be. It's problematic. We're, we're attorneys. I mean, we as attorneys, we worry about liability. So, you know, what happens, Dina, if you find a problem with your algorithm 
and you can't fix it or you don't know how to address the problem. All of this is discoverable. Many companies are taking the ostrich approach, but I believe that's, you know, you're being short-sighted. We need to get in front of the problem, acknowledge that there's risk here and it's real and get ahead of it instead of becoming the next PR disaster. So what you don't want to do is appear as if you've never thought of these questions and your only defense is, oh, well, we didn't do it on purpose. Um, wasn't intentional. Regulatory oversight is necessary in this area. And I believe it's coming. Are we having the appro appropriate conversations about this? What are the different ways that we can exercise influence here? Will getting ahead of this cost you money as a company? Is it going to cost... I, I think it definitely will, but a lot less money than it'll cost you if your company is the example that will that may be made or can be made. You don't want what you don't want to do is um, ha you don't want to you don't have to be seen to fix the problem, but you should be seen to be taking those necessary steps to alleviate the problem. Are we interested in reasonable constraint? Or do we want the regulators to step in and choose the restraint for us? That's a question I'd like companies to ask themselves. Yes, and I think it's a great incentive for the companies to step away, step in front of the problem themselves rather than have government do it for them. I agree. So Clarita, how would companies step in front of the problem and combat algorithmic bias before one of them becomes a PR disaster? Exactly. Okay. So first of all, I believe you build awareness. This is, you know, let's define it. Let's understand that it is here and it's here to stay. And then you move into solution space. With that awareness, we recognize that we need diverse teams. A much broader definition of diversity is, is necessary. You're going beyond the race and gender. You're looking at folks with disabilities, LG, LGBTQ, just a much broader definition of diversity. If you want your products to be relevant to all potential customers, you need to diversify your team. So let's make sure we're seeing, another thing I'd, I'd suggest is make sure that we're seeing evidence that our algorithm works. Don't have blind faith in your algorithm. You know, oftentimes you take what is publicly available and let me just use this. You need to make sure you're checking periodically. Hmm, are we, are we auditing our algorithms and fixing them on our own? That is possible. Are we asking the question, what could go wrong? Who are we not including? For whom does this algorithm fail? Are we asking ourselves, how are these products being designed, developed, and deployed? What are the mechanisms for oversight or accountability? Remember, before algorithms, there was human oversight appeal system. Are we going to jettison that because we think the algorithms have solved the problem? We know the algorithms haven't solved the problem. So those are the questions I think uh, I said corporations need to be asking themselves. So I think part of the problem, and you touched on this before, is that the data itself that's being trained, that is being used to train AI is biased. How do you make that data less biased? 
Well, okay. So you, again, we're asking ourselves particular questions, right? That those, those questions that I just spoke about, and then you want to make sure you're, you're doing, I think every corporation, and I think most of them, I think, unfortunately, uh, with the murder of George Floyd, the awakening in the U S I think folks have now been more focused on, let's make sure we are doing some sort of bias training for our employees. I think that's essential, but I think you also need to carve out more specialized training for your developers. They're in the trenches. I would look to do a more enhanced bias training for your developers. So who should be trained, Clarita? Um, I'm sure there's, uh, there's developers, there's, um, there's those folks who test uh, AI applications. Like who, who and how and how often should those uh, people be trained? All employees should be trained, but general, general bias training. As I said, it's more specialized training needs to go to the developers, the folks testing. Uh, people that are really in the trenches with the algorithms need to get a more enhanced training, in my opinion. Uh, it needs to be done annually. And now, so that means your developers, your testing folks would get two trainings, would, would get, um, you, cause you'll do the general bias training for everybody. And then a more specialized training for your testing folks, developers. So, uh, you know, those carve out folks of developers, testers, they would get two trainings per, per year. But I think what's important is to, uh, to realize that let's recognize where we're starting prior to training and then train folks and then measure the improvement after the training of your employees and developers and testing folks. Ask yourself the question, did we effectively reduce the harmful effects of algorithmic bias? We can't do that without measurement. Where are we today prior to training? Where are we after training? And I think that's, of course, it's an internal exercise, but I think it's something that really needs to be embraced because you can only know that if you are looking, checking your, checking your algorithms for bias regularly, doing some sort of audit, you know, not having blind faith in your algorithms, making sure your employees are, are, are trained, whether it's the general bias training and then for the more enhanced training for our developers and testing folks. So yeah, that, that's, that's my, that's, that's how, if I was running the world, Dina, that's how I would do it. Yeah. And, and Clarita, that's a great advice to the legal counsel, uh, both the law firms and, corp- and corporations, just making sure um, that the folks are trained, that the developers are trained on the algorithmic bias. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and hopefully further in the future, we would see the fi- side effects where we don't have an issue of someone trying to interview with seven different grocery stores and not being able to receive an offer or pass the interview or a screening uh, because uh, the AI that's be- the- that was being used to, uh, quote unquote, interview that person was inherently biased. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I-, I think it's really important. I, I really do. Um, well, Clarita, thank you for being here. Um, any, anything final to note? Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. As I said earlier, I believe it's important to build awareness around algorithmic bias and advance methods to understand and reduce the harmful forms of algorithmic bias. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. And I, I really hope that this is, this is my step towards building awareness about algorithmic bias. Thank you, Dina. 
Uh, thank you, Clarita. And also thank you to our guests and listeners for joining us on this episode of AI Chats. You can find today's episode and future ones on major podcast platforms such as Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon. Our podcasts and relevant articles about different AI topics are also located at the firm's website. Finally, our practice page also contains contact information for all lawyers in the practice group. Please feel free to reach out to any of us to suggest topics for further AI chat episodes. Take care all.